Lately, and especially this century, people seem to love confessionals, autobiographies, biopics, based on true event stories, documentaries, docudramas, well, just generally anything that's real life adjacent or something with some explicitly stated basis in reality, however nebulous that basis might be. After all, we often imagine our own lives as stories with pages and chapters, etc. Since early 2022, Orlando-based Autofocus Books has been publishing works that might represent, artistically, the pinnacle of the concept. They specialize in such works, and if you want to hear how, you'll have to listen further, as founder and publisher Michael Wheaton joins us and tells the story of how Autofocus got its particular focus. Like a lot of Florida Book Club featured projects, this was a pandemic-birthed endeavor. It's also, coincidentally, our third Autofocus-related episode in a row, going back to last season. You should go back and listen to our conversations with Tyler Gillespie and Ryan Rivas. But for now, join me, Christopher Nank, for the opening episode of Season 8 of the Florida Book Club. I'm here with Michael Wheaton, founder and publisher of Autofocus Books, based in Orlando and dedicated to artful autobiographical writing and uh, the nebulous parameters of which we'll get into soon. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, there's also an online journal and a podcast, and uh, we'll get to those later as well. So uh, welcome to the Florida Book Club, Michael. Yeah, thanks for having me, Chris. In looking at Autofocus's specific mission of publishing autobiographical writing in its many forms, I mean, I'm I'm curious, like, how you arrived at this focus, <laughs> to put it one way. I mean, you know, what about it appeals to you personally because or or, you know, what you what you've seen it because I feel um, it seems like this kind of art, these kind of narratives have achieved this very broad, wide appeal, you know, in, in this century, not just in literature, but in in television and, and podcasting and a lot of uh, media, like with true crime and stories based on a true story, uh, documentaries, reality TV and, and even things like influencer culture online yeah. and uh you know, it seems like it might be having sort of a cultural moment. And I don't know if you saw yourself as being, you know, in that milieu or or just, you know, I, my curiosity is, you know, um, where did you to return to the question? You know, um, how did you uh, land on this particular focus or mission? Yeah. So, it well, you know, it came from just a personal interest, I think, in that kind of writing and also media. So you, you mentioned that great list of um, different things this century that have become really popular that have that kind of like based on a true story thing going on, or just that very, an artifice that feels real. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, look for like reality TV. Or yeah. Stuff, but like, like extremely artificial, but testing feeling, the limits of autobiography. Yeah. Ex yeah, exactly. But, um, you know, taking and manipulating the real or the personal is something that I don't think I realized how much I loved it or how much I really gravitated to it until I kind of reached a period in my own personal writing. So I came from a background of fiction and that's really mostly the only writing I was interested in doing for, for many years. And I reached a point with it where I don't, it's not that I got bored with it. I think I got bored with myself or the imaginative moves I make. And I think I would veil a lot of the personal things that were kind of feeding the art or like my interests. And then I noticed that kind of happening in my reading a lot too, where I'd be picking up novels or story collections that normally I would be really interested in at the time. Um, and then I'd be reading them and it was, it's really nothing about the book or the books at the time. It was more just where my head was at. Um, I just wasn't finishing them. 
And, hmm. um, and I, I, I actually reached a point where I was like, Oh, I guess I don't like reading anymore. Like something, <laughs> like something, ha- like, like something happened or something. That sounds twilight zone. Yeah, no, it was very strange, but at the same time, it wasn't completely unfounded. Like, um, that I could love and be super obsessed and into something for so long. And then all of a sudden kind of run out of it or lose some of the passion or motivation. Like it happened in previous things in my life too, where like music, for instance, where at one point I wanted to be a musician and the only thing that mattered to me was like, you know, rock and roll music. And that was everything. And writing was kind of there, but on the side. And then, you know, at one point it switched and I, 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 it just, it just seemed like, Oh, I guess like maybe I'm not that into this. Um, but then I was like, Oh, maybe I just need to read some shorter books (laughs) and find, um, I don't remember exactly how I started coming across them, but I got really into um, book length essays Hmm. and um, like a few authors in the beginning whose work I was finding was um, Amy Fusselman, um, uh, Sarah Manguso and, uh, and David Shields who, who became very influential to me and who oddly over the last several years, we've developed a little bit of like a, a working relationship, but he also did a lot of work and in particular, like Adidas's most famous book was called Reality Hunger. And it was a it's a kind of about the cultural hunger, I suppose, for that kind of media and writing that you were talking about, like reality TV or documentary or the based on the true story or um and it predates a little bit of influence influencer culture, but a little bit of that too. Um and I didn't like read that book and then find the form, but as I was finding the form. I read that book and it all just made sense to me <laughs> hmm. all of a sudden. And I just kept kind of following the trails of these books. So as like I mentioned, I was into a few books by Amy Fusselman, a few books by Sarah Manguso. These are like 120, 150 page books. A couple of Amy Fusselman books are like on like 90 pages maybe. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I would just kind of like look up those books and other books like those. And I just kind of keep following the the trail, I guess. And then I was like, no, yeah, I definitely like reading. I definitely love reading. I'm devouring these books. Like I can't finish them fast enough. I'm excited to get to the other. And then my writing kind of followed that. And I wasn't, I wasn't um, doing it particularly well. I don't think (laughs) I wasn't very very good at it. It was all still very new to me, but it felt like a world was opening up kind of on the page. Um, and so, yeah, I just kind of got focused (laughs) on that kind of thing and reading that kind of thing. And then noticed at some point, it didn't seem like there were a lot of avenues just for that thing. Um, like you could find this kind of writing, but it was from publishers who were doing a lot of other stuff and it wasn't really the like priority form (laughs) or Mm -hmm. thing they were selling. And I guess, you know, and with lit mags too, it just seemed to be kind of like lost in there. Like you don't really know who's into this kind. Like a lot of people will publish creative nonfiction or nonfiction, but what is right, that? Right. Is it this kind of thing or is it some other kind of thing? So it can be confusing. So it just seemed like there was an opening there. I always wanted to do a lit mag. I always wanted to do a podcast. I always wanted to be a book publisher, but it never. I didn't feel like I had the right idea. I guess. Um, and then, let's see. Yeah, I guess I just didn't feel like I had the right idea. So it just felt, it just felt right, I guess, to start, like to start 
trying to find community there. Like I didn't really know where to look except for these books and authors that I didn't feel like were even in my area of reachability. As it turns out, I guess, you know, starting the, the magazine and the podcast, these authors were very reachable. <laughs> uh, isn't that a revelation when yeah. you find that? It's like, wow, I can't believe I'm talking to these people. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And um, yeah, so that's, yeah, that's where the focus came from. It just came from a reading interest that turned into a writing interest that turned into just kind of like a thirst to find other people who were really interested in reading this kind of stuff. So, you know, really, it's kind of selfish, like, so I could learn more about it and work with authors I liked and just kind of immerse myself in it. Yeah, I, I, look, I can relate. I, I know what you mean about being burned out on reading or feeling like everything you're reading is predictable. And, and then, you know, you find that book that kind of like gets you back in, pulls you back into the room, so to speak. Yeah. Um, Narrative of the Life of Frederick Douglass. One of my favorite books ever. And I, I'm kind of like you. I didn't read much nonfiction and that book reads like a novel and I was caught mm -hmm. up in it and it's like only 110 pages. And I was like, wow, <laughs> that, that was, yeah, pretty enthralling. So, uh, I, I get what you're saying about the form, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, so related to that, I, um, yeah. what is the origin story of, uh, autofocus books then taking that, that sort of passion or that, 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 that interest? In that genre, like when, where, how did it come together? Not just yeah. the concept, but the people, the infrastructure. Yeah. So it's a pandemic story. <laughs> in, in lockdown, you know, particularly. So in 2020, you know, I felt, I felt previous to then for the last few years, like a part of a community here in Orlando. Um, a lot of that led, you know, by efforts from Borough Press and um, surrounding initiatives like that. Um, and it felt good like to go out to readings, <laughs> you know, to meet up with people and to talk about literature. Um, I don't think I knew anyone who was like at the time, like particularly interested in what I was becoming interested in, but everyone that I knew read, had read stuff like that before and like read, um, pretty diversely. Um, but it didn't, as I was like kind of losing the community face to face in Orlando and then having that thirst for a community around this particular genre and then having always wanted to do a magazine and a podcast and eventually books. Um, it was just like, okay, now or never, like you have, mm -hmm. like, you have the idea. It's not exactly that I had the time. I was, I am a full-time teacher at a community college and I was uh, teaching like overtime. Props. I was, I was teaching like, <laughs> I was teaching like over my contract load in like online classes and it was absurd. And my kids were home. My wife was here. Um, and then I had this insane idea to also, <laughs> to also add this, add this in. I know what you mean. I yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure you do. Um, and it, it was just like, okay, like, I don't know. I think, I think a lot of people were in that mindset where it's like, what is my life? What's going on? Like, what's the future? Is there a future? How do I fight off despair of this situation and mm -hmm. and personally? And yeah, I think I just <laughs> I was like, who do I want to be? Like, what do I want to do? What's important to me? And I and my wife was very encouraging uh to do it. And I said to her, Well, the only way I would do it 
the book part, I mean, so kind of the magazine and the podcast were like just gateways to get to the books. The only way I would do the books is if you illustrated each cover <laughs> mm. <laughs> easy for me to get art. And I was like, if you would be the artist, like, and do that kind of work, then like we can do it together. Um, and like, she was like, okay. <laughs> and then we, so we launched, you know, I launched the, the magazine and the podcast. And then it was just kind of like, can I get enough? Can I f form enough like editorial relationships? Can I form enough of a small community that if I started publishing books, like people would give a shit yeah. <laughs> people, and people would let me. Um, and so that was it, that, you know, we didn't start publishing books until uh, early 22. And I was getting ready for it basically in like 2021. But that's basically it. I mean, like pandemic <laughs> lockdown despair. And it's like, am I going to do this thing that I've always wanted to do? And like, I I told myself I wouldn't do it because I didn't have the right idea or something like that. Or I didn't have the, or my, I guess my normal life was maybe too demanding that I wouldn't do it. And then when everything changed, it, mm. I just kind of did it. And it's like, after a year or two, I looked back and I was like, holy, I, what the fuck? <laughs> I can't believe I did this. Uh, you know, and, and I can't believe it's going well. And I guess since then, it's just been like a matter of like, like me like realizing that this is kind of like my life now <laughs> coming out of, you know, obviously lockdown, but then pandemic and like being back in a place where it felt like I was like my daily life kind of like 2019 a little bit. And I'm like still doing this at like, <laughs> oh, those were the days level, were yeah, like a bigger <laughs> level than I imagined. Not like it's huge. I don't mean to say it like that, but I mean like that I've committed in such a big way <laughs> to doing this. It's it's still kind of shocking to me sometimes. Yeah. Well. Well. Hey. Look. You have the books and the magazine <laughs> to show for it. I mean, it's like yeah. Like you. You can believe it. It's like look what that produced. You know. Your uh, yeah. Your passion and the time to do that. And yeah. It's um. I've I've heard a lot of pandemic stories about books and uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, presses and things that emerge. Like we're like you know what if not now then when will I do yeah. it. Yeah, there's definitely like a cohort of magazines. I remember when we started that it seemed like there was like the 2020 magazines and <laughs> there was like a lot of 2020 magazines that popped online mags. I mean, and there's few, yeah. a few I know of that are still around, but you know, it's, it's hard. It's been challenging to go from like starting it in one way of life <laughs> mm -hmm. and then like integrating it into another way of life, I suppose. And like figuring out how that works. <laughs> yeah i noticed that you know your books all have this very striking and appealing cover image you, you know uh, uh format and everything and you you mentioned your wife does the uh the illustration the cover design um but what inspired that design format you know to have the the black and white and the images mm -hmm. and everything they're really incredible to look at i think yeah, I I kind of so originally like kind of minimalist I, in a way. Yes, yes, absolutely, absolutely. So I would say one reason, like the reason they're so appealing, is the illustrations, and that's Amy. I I can take no credit for that. Like the authors and and I kind of brainstorm things we might want to see illustrated, and then I usually we kind of come up with one, and I tell Amy, and I have it a way I think it's going to come out, and then it's always like, wow, this is. <laughs> <laughs> this is way better than I imagined. So like she gets a hundred percent of the credit for whether 
the covers are so good. The uniform kind of uh, the uniform design that the illustrations kind of live in the white with the kind of bold, clean, uh, you know, title and then the, the image and then the you know name under it. That kind of just came, you know, thinking of how the the mission of the press had a kind of uniformity to it. I will say, like, the definition of autobiographical writing or or what that means or what forms it can take. I feel like we're pretty open about that Mm -hmm. Um, and and what that can mean and, and like, willing to kind of bend bend the corners of that. Um, But, think you know, it is still a... I I don't want to say constraint. It is still themed, (laughs) maybe is the Mm -hmm. word. Um, you know, thinking how that was so focused, it, it made sense to do, to me, it made sense to do the books as kind of like a series also cause they're, they're short. Um, and so there were a few presses or series that, you know, I was thinking of or had in mind when, you know, we were thinking of, okay, like how would like the, the look of these books, how would it like carry over from book to book? Um, one press, I, I mean, there is quite a few borough press actually here was someone whose books I looked at, at, a, at mm-hmm. a lot because when I was starting, I leaned on Ryan, Ryan Revis who publishes them, you know, anytime I had questions or, like, and also like, he was a big model for me with like knowing it was possible, uh, to, to be a publisher and do this and to form community. So I, I have to give him so much credit. Um, but anyway, because of that, you know, and I loved, always loved the way their books look. So I looked a lot. Uh, at their books. Now they don't do a uniform design, but I was looking at like kind of the elements of like why I was drawn to those books. Um, but I was also looking at like $2 radio and they don't have like a total uniform design, but they have elements on their book covers. There's like certain things that are uniform throughout. And then I also uh, really like, um, there's a series called Object Lessons, which mm-hmm. is um, from Blooms. It's actually Bloomsbury Academic. And they're these really like small, short books, uh, and they're all focused on like an object. And then, um, you know, they're so it's it's a very focused kind of thing. Um, and they do a, a thing where it's like they have like kind of a cover template where they change out the illustrations. And 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 I thought like I was like that's so cool. Like, and I I'm drawn to that series because of what the series is, but I'm also drawn to that series aesthetically, like as a book. And it's and it feels cool to like have multiple. <laughs> <laughs> and kind of collect the ones I ha- we have. And so that was kind of, yeah, like when we were, I was like, I think, you know, it'd be cool to kind of do that, like to create, I suppose, like a kind of, I, I want to say template, I guess a template or mm-hmm. a, a uniform design that we're just kind of like dropping things into uh, and changing for the, you know, for the line of, of these kinds of books. And the black and white, I, I think that probably came from, from Amy. I would, I would have to say, I mean, we're definitely talking about like minimalism, but one time, like when she was younger, she was taking like design courses and she had like a book cover project and she did a cover that is not exactly like autofocus, but was like white and just had kind of like the text at the top and the bottom and like an illustration in in the middle. And we both really liked it. Her teacher was like, oh, you can't do, you can't do covers like this. Like that are just kind of like that simple and like drop it in an illustration. And we were like, Oh, fuck that guy. <laughs> so it kind of was interesting that it came back that we, like we kind of, I don't know, even know if we realized the connection to that cover she had done previously, but it just wound up that we ended up doing something similar to that. And then thought about it later. And we're like, yeah, yeah, you can totally do covers like this. And in fact, <laughs> we found a Oh yeah. They look so distinctive. Of, yeah, we found I mean, a it's degree of success really sharp. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, 
It's like, yeah. you know, that's an autofocus book. Just yeah, looking at exactly. Cover. And I think over time, uh, we'll definitely keep, you know, the uniform aesthetic. I think over time, like different types of books we come out with, we, we might change it slightly or like come up with another kind of uniform design. So we're going to like, right now, one of the, we're trying to figure out, we have an anthology coming out. We're trying to figure out how to do the, the cover for that right now. Like, and I think we're going to kind of, and I could be wrong. We could change our mind to one. I think we might start like another style of cover and then do kind of anthologies or like craft books and things like that. And this other, so as we kind of go on, I think there'll be a few different looks we kind of roll with. Um, but we'll see. Yeah, no, you kind of preempted one of my questions because I was, uh, you know, curious, you, you sort of answered this a little bit, but like what specific, um, roles or, or, or functions, the, the podcast and the online magazine serve. And I was going to ask, will there yeah. be a print anthology at some point, you know, um, it yeah, seems so, to be like, seems, yeah, it so. seems like you, you, you say there will be. Yeah. So the, um, the anthology we're doing isn't, uh, from the magazine. Oh, okay. Um, okay. I didn't know if they'd be was, collected pieces from. Oh, uh, no, no. So that's a question I have, I guess, for <laughs> myself of, um, how and when and why and in what way might we collect things online meaningfully into a book? And it's definitely something I, I want to do, but have to think a little bit, uh, more about, but this anthology we're doing now is kind of a good gateway into thinking about and seeing how viable these guys these kinds of books are. Um, but the anthology we're doing is all stuff that's, it was a specific call that the editor Aaron Birch did um, with the expectation that the ones he accepted to go are specifically for the anthology and wouldn't appear online in the magazine right. or anything like that. Yeah. I gotcha. Now, um, as, as uh, I, I sort of alluded to in uh, uh, talking before, like I, I'm biased a little bit toward next door and Colonial Town and the Nature Machine. Uh, you know, I know both of them. And like you said, they're Florida books. Um, and I know you have a focus that that goes beyond just, uh, you know, Florida narratives um, as favorites. So I, I know I won't ask you to like play favorites or anything. Yeah. I know that would be sort of a thing. But what I could ask you is like. What's the feeling that you, when you receive work, you know, is right for autofocus mm -hmm. and you want to publish it to give it a platform? I mean, you know, what traits or characteristics get you excited about a submission? Yeah, no, that's a great question. And so I, it's like the thing that excites me about a piece in the magazine is the same thing that excites me about a book. It's just that it keeps doing it. <laughs> like it keeps, it keeps doing it. So there's definitely a correlation between what, when I was like the main editor of the magazine that would kind of strike me and what would put in the same with the books, the books are harder to, I think, pull off over <laughs> a period mm -hmm. of time. But I think at heart, like what I'm typically drawn to is, um, a surprising honesty, uh, a vulnerability, um, a willingness to put things on the page that might be uncomfortable for the author to admit. Like when I see people doing that, I'm drawn in despite any formal flaws or, or anything that, or the book's just not ready yet. Like I can read a piece that's not quite ready, but latch on to things like that. And I think kind of along with that as well, I think a lot of it might maybe has to do with kind of a unique point of view or just a very f assured point of view. Like when I'm reading it, I feel like the person is loose but in very much in control like it feels like a person 
communicating to a person, but it's like very heightened and controlled. <laughs> and right. for lack, like, and a little artificial, like it has an artifice. Like it feels, it feels a little bit like just a personal communication, and feels a little bit like art. And like, there's, I think I've noticed there are types of work I'm drawn to where it takes like a huge thing in your life and kind of goes over it kind of quickly or, or in an interesting way. But I'm also sometimes more interested in rather like mundane things that aren't done <laughs> that aren't that um, kind of linger and meander a little bit. So um, yeah, I, it's like, I'm drawn to those pieces that have that kind of that voice or that assuredness in the telling and have that on emotional honesty or intellectual honesty or vulnerability. And for pieces like that, where I'm like, Oh, well, this isn't exactly done. I s love to work on those pieces with the author and collaborate a little on like how to get this thing to find like a final form. So I definitely have a bias towards stuff like that because I find myself accepting things that aren't quite ready, but it's partially because I really like <laughs> to work. There was something in there, some those, essence yeah. in it that you're like, we can, we can yeah. mine this or refine yeah. it or bring it out. And then there's sometimes I get things that I'm like, yeah, I mean, structurally, formally, there's nothing I can, <laughs> there's not that like, they just kind of come and they just feel like they're in its form. Like I'm definitely attracted to work like that as an editor because I think that's really hard to do. Uh, and in stuff like that, like my editorial role is often maybe just trying to push a little on things they could say more about or do more with. But I don't know. It's very, it's very different. Like every book I've edited or the pieces online that I've you know really taken a hand in in editing, it's it's always a little different. But there's something in there that just feels very human. And, but also like understands the difference between a human communication and art, like whatever that fine line is, they're no, just kind of get, they're I, just kind of getting it on the page and it seems to transcend itself in a way. Yeah, I know. I get what you're saying. I even wrote down when I was uh, thinking about some of the pieces on the online magazine that I read that there was such a variety of tones and genres and styles. And some of them read even like flash fiction or micro fiction. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like yeah. I was tell you know, telling you off camera about Frederick Douglass or, uh, you know, his narrative that it, it reads like a novel, you know, even though it's like it, it has that sort of artistry or that artifice that. that yeah you know, clearly he's fictionalizing or reimagining some of these things that happen to him, even if it's being, you know, touted as autobiography. I mean, these qualities, it made me think of a lot of the more striking pieces I've read, like on the toilet. I remember reading that one on the magazine, <laughs> yeah. morbidly funny. Uh, I have imagined, which is one of the more recent ones was very gut wrenching um, about accidental firearm discharge on campus. Oh, yeah. mm -hmm. uh, I really related to that. I a similar kind of analogous incident happened in my dorm. Uh, oh, when wow. I was there. So I, and the way it was told and stock, I thought was uh, interesting because it was very surreal and unsettling. And those pe those four pieces I thought were also different, you know, but yeah. yet they share that thematic sort of uh, coherence, you know, in, in, in terms of being autobiographical, but, but sort of, um, artfully reimagined like you said so so those were those are some of my favorite pieces yeah. that i i you know really spoke to me so yeah thank you for reading all those yeah it's definitely and you know when we started it was 
it was me like it was me and i had a friend helping me uh in the beginning with the podcast as well and then it kind of transitioned at some point it was just kind of like it just be it was it was just me like i didn't feel like i really needed the help anymore in the beginning i was scared <laughs> to do it by myself my friend was nice enough to <laughs> on the journey with me for a little while um and then after a little while it was it was just kind of me um you know doing the editing and then me kind of doing the podcasting and and in the beginning just me doing the books but over time as i've added more like i've had to learn to rely on other people and to make this a really like a, a more of a community project like bringing in the people who i formed relationships with editorially or or whatever as readers or writers in the beginning parts of autofocus like going back to those people and being like will you join me <laughs> on this goal of making this something sustainable and that feels like it belongs and that matters to people because I can't do it by myself. And so, you know, since then, like the magazine was the first thing that I was able to bring a lot more people on. And as I've added more eyes and more ears and more voices and, um, it's only helped kind of grow and expand what the borders of, artful autobiographical writing are, you know, and I have a, I think I, I came to it with a very specific taste and my tastes have brought in then too, and different editors are coming with different tastes. And I think it's really starting to kind of fill out <laughs> uh, in a way of like, you're saying like, you, there's a certain thing you can expect, I think from autofocus and what we do. And then after that, like, we're not even sure <laughs> what the thing that we're going to gravitate onto or like how that's going to expand a little bit, you know, what we're doing. Yeah. I, I mean, it, it reminds me of something I learned. In, well, learn, I guess it's, you know, it was, it was something that we all understand, but in my psych 101 class, it <laughs> was pointed out that we, people tend to think of their lives as ongoing sagas and stories anyway. And I've pointed out to my students that, we even use phrases that evoke that, like, well, I'm starting the next chapter of my life or, well, mm -hmm. I'm turning the page on that. You know, it, it's yeah. like it, it just seems like, like you're saying it's natural that we would seem to, yeah, artfully, you know, narrativize our lives that way. So um, finally, I'm going to say what you uh, you hinted at this a little bit, but what is the future for autofocus? I mean, where do you see it going or evolving, both maybe within the the literary community in Florida and and beyond that, uh, what might, uh, where might it be going? Yeah. I, I'm at a point right now where I'm just kind of like looking toward the future a little bit and my eyes are just like gigantic. Like <laughs> I'm just like, but, but I don't, you know, it's, I have a vision <laughs> for things we can do and how we can grow. Um, I don't know exactly yet the steps to get there. <laughs> so mm -hmm. I, it's, I'm kind of, like I said earlier, I'm in a place now where I'm like, uh, figuring out how to sustain doing this, <laughs> you know, the, for the first year, particularly of the books, like the goal is just like work as hard as you possibly can, like work past whatever block of how hard you think you can work and then look up at the end of the year and see what happened. It was kind of like my mindset, um, last year. And then I did. And then I looked up at the end of the year and I was like, holy shit. That was a lot. 
Uh, and I was really grateful and like really excited about it. And then like, I looked at what I planned, like in doing that had planned for the next year. And I was like, oh my God, like, what am I thinking? This is so much work for one person who has a job and a family. <laughs> and so, um, and now like I've gotten through most of that and I feel like we're in a really good place. So it's like, I've just kind of looked up from like a lot of work I've done in the, in a year and a half and have learned how to do less on some things, rely on other people more than others so that we could kind of start implementing <laughs> some of these, um, some of these ideas, uh, and other things we can do, but it's, I mean, in general, it's like do more with our books, make more books, <laughs> get those books, uh, get those books out there. I'm interested in other ways to foster and build community around this. Like classes are a hot thing right now as a bunch of places that have done classes and workshops in the community have disappeared. A lot of people are rushing to kind of take their place. And I'm, I'm really glad that people are doing that in a way that rush has actually made me slow down on that because I had wanted to do that for a long time. It was just a matter of time. And I do feel like it, that little area might be a little over flooded right now, but I, you know, who, maybe who cares? Just try it anyway. <laughs> but um, at some point I do want to try implementing just those little opportunities that, you know, writers who were like me, you know, in like 2020 and really liked this stuff and didn't know how to access the authors or other people writing it. There's ways for them to do that. <laughs> um, and um, just kind of, yeah, just be excited about the kind of stuff we're doing um, with, you know, uh, autobiographical writing and its very forms. But yeah, I mean, the podcast is going to continue. Um, I've started to do like uh, a lot of guest host episodes and I have ideas for how to change the format of that show a little bit. So yeah, I plan on evolving that a little bit. We just started rolling out a bunch of guest host episodes and I've got a bunch more of those. I'm still doing them. Uh, and then I have another idea for a type of style of episode we can do. And then, yeah, with the books, like I said, we're starting to do anthologies. I'm starting to think of other things we can do. Um, one of our books next year is um, technically fiction, but autobiographically based. So we're stretching that genre a little bit more. Yeah, like the Romana Clef. Yes. Wow. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I, like expanding the borders, more kinds of things we can do and ways to make this feel like I'm not totally insane for putting how much time or energy uh, or thought into it to make it a little bit more part of like a natural part of my life and my wife Amy's life without it seeming like all this extra stuff we're doing, you know, and that's a, <laughs> that's a lot, you know, that's a lot down the road, but I'm so fucking stubborn. <laughs> but <laughs> that, Hey, it's a labor of love, right? Yeah. I, mean, I don't see, yeah. I don't see autofocus going anywhere anytime soon. And the people that I've been bringing on lately, like editors on the magazine are like, writers and editors i like deeply admire same thing on the book side we have writers and editors i deeply admire and i'm like it's just a matter of time till um i think as it's just a matter of time until they can like do even better work <laughs> at the things they're doing than i was doing that more people will find it. And the writers who are working to build autofocus, I think are all you know, relatively at the beginning of their careers. And I, 
as I said, like some of the editors we have at Autofocus right now, I'm just like huge fans of their work. And like, <laughs> I just, I think people are going to find those writers and through those writers are going to find Autofocus and we'll just keep trying to excite each other <laughs> about writing and reading and doing this kind of stuff. Well, hey, that that is always, always needed value, especially now. I think yeah. so. Uh, and in Florida, no less. <laughs> yes, exactly. So, yeah. all right, Michael Wheaton, you're now a member of the Florida Book Club. <laughs> Thank you so much. It's been so nice to talk to you. I really appreciate the attention you've given. Thank you for attending this meeting of the Florida Book Club. You can find a link to Autofocus Books on our website where you can access the online magazine and the podcast and order the books. The magazine will be making a transition to a new publication schedule this September, so check back with them then and keep your eyes out for all the exciting true non-fiction-ish memoir-like Romana Clef books Michael mentioned will be upcoming. On another note, I guess I was on camera, so to speak, when I talked about Frederick Douglass. LOL. Remember to support your local independent bookstores and public libraries. See you at our next meeting.